0: This episode of Giants of Crowns is brought to you by Hired.com. Hired.com is the leading job marketplace that connects tech talent with the world's most innovative companies. Hired combines intelligent job matching technology with a personalized career coach to help you find a job you love. Through Hired, both job candidates and companies have transparency into salary offers, competing opportunities, and job details. This level of insight is unmatched, making the recruiting process easier than ever before. Companies of all sizes, including WeWork, Booking.com, and Dropbox, leverage Hired for their tech hiring needs. If you're hiring, sign up for Hired at resources.hired.com forward slash Giants, and you'll receive a $20 Amazon gift card. And Hired will also donate $20 to Code Interactive to help Code Interactive on their mission to provide computer science education to all students. Again, for more details, check out resources.hired.com forward slash Giants, or head over to giantsandcrowns.com forward slash Hired. One big old blur. I was born and then the rest. <laughs> uh, so, where are you based right now? Uh, Vancouver. Oh, cool, man. So it's that's that's East Coast time. I mean West Coast time. That's three hours. West Coast, yes. Yeah, Ten AM. Cool, 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 cool. All right, I need to close a couple of things down. We have we had a couple things up from the last convo, um, last group call. All good. Just want to make sure we conserve bandwidth here so we don't get <laughs> all cut off. Um, So actually, let's let's actually do that on your side as well. So, like, if you have Amazon up, if you have Netflix up, any torrents, um, nothing, nothing, we're good. Slack or WhatsApp or anything like that.
1: No, no, everything's closed.
0: Okay, cool, cool. Uh, The other thing then, so you you have a headset and you're pretty good on that side. Um, You, I'm guessing you're familiar with what we're doing. So, do you need a background, or should we? Should I give you some? Should we just
1: jump right in? i listened to about five of them, so I think I'm good. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's, my, it's been my running podcast, so uh, it's been good stuff. Uh, it keeps me motivated, and I love it.
0: That's cool. That's cool. I appreciate it. Five of them. You, you're probably the most well-prepared uh, guest I've had <laughs> so far in terms of just what we're doing. So, so that's that's dope. Um, actually, let me, let me close out my Slack because I have my team pinging me here, so I want to make sure. <laughs>
1: And it's audio, not video, right? Or That's is right. it video too? That's right. Okay,
0: so cool. It's a, it's just audio, so we'll we'll cut everything off as soon as we, as soon as I clear everything out on my side, and make sure we're good to go. Awesome. Okay. All right. So let's start off video. Jump on in. Sweet. All right, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna kick things off with who you are, how you got started. Then we'll jump into, um, I guess, the, the unique thing for me uh, in this particular podcast is, you know, to date, I mean, today we've recorded quite a few folks. So the ones that we've released have been a lot of a lot of CEOs and whatnot. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but going forward, we're mixing up the 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 guests um, specifically to focus on different vantage points um, in the. Venture creation, enterprise creation, project building phase. Um, so, like, as 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 CPO, you you bring a different perspective, one that I'm not necessarily familiar with, um, and that's that's a really strong opportunity for us to really expand on what that story is, what that perspective brings to the table, and then also the lessons you've learned in the process. Like, lessons learned this go around is our big theme. Like, what is what is what have you learned as Sean along the entire process? Um, totally. So so forgive me if I ask any naive questions. It's, it's intended to sort of, I guess, help me understand, but also help our listeners understand what the role means and what it entails with respect to StoryTap. Yeah, I love that. Cool. Awesome. All right, so let's kick things off. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is you do?
1: Awesome. Yeah, so I'm Sean Brax. I'm the chief product officer and co-founder of StoryTap. So, StoryCup is really um, the easiest way for marketers to collect real videos from their customers at scale. So that's like video reviews, uh, product reviews, that kind of thing, and enables those customers to share it. So instead of you know paying influencers to share your product, you're getting real people who use your product sharing it to their social network.
0: Got it. So can you can you walk us through, um, or sort of like paint the lay out the scene for how things got started in the very beginning, the earliest days
1: yeah yeah so I feel like storycap has been three businesses uh, we we started off I actually uh, met my co-founder at an impact based uh, incubator in Vancouver um, the cool thing was it's all impact companies so people who want to make a difference here not just you know make gosh and so we started off as a b2b uh, b2c company uh, my, my co-founder had this this background um, we were helping people capture their family's video on story, or on, family story on video. So uh, it was called uh, Left Stuff. Our goal was life, estate, family traditions. We were helping people capture their their uh, family's stories, like your grandparents' story on film. And we, we launched, so we spent, this is 2015 now. Um, she had already got started. She had a little bit of an MP, MVP going. I joined up with her. We started pushing this forward. We launched it. And we realized that um, in order to launch a B2C product, it would have required a huge amount of investment, something that I think we would not have been able to raise here in Vancouver, um, especially being two nobodies really. So um, we, we did as any startup does and we pivoted pivoted to B2B, we had a lot of interest from businesses saying, hey, we'd love a tool that we could use to get video from our customers. So uh, 2016 was our pivot year. And you know, we we really learned a lot about how we, we moved the product from being a B2C product to a B2B product and um, started courting businesses we got some businesses to pay us which was awesome so we we were pretty much fully bootstrapped that year Um, then 2017 i would call our agency year so we we got a lot of businesses coming on board using our tool Um, one of the key ones was ucla they used Storytap to get videos from kidney donors to talk about their experience and it was just an amazing experience to work with them but we operated like an agency so we had this product but a lot of what we were doing was service on top of it with one-off purchases. Um, and then, you know, 2018 was the SaaS year. So that's kind of, you know, the the current version of Storytap. We got into Techstars, which was a really amazing experience. We went through Techstars in early 2018 and um, launched this business from zero, you know, really, and, and built it up uh, over over the, the past months into something that we've really been proud of. Um, you know, extending our team and helping businesses capture these amazing videos, like product views and, and more.
0: So, what so when you said uh, you said from zero, are you saying that when you guys got into TechStars, it was just yourself and Bernadette and What, 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 what do you mean by zero?
1: Totally. So, the the thing that we've been doing in you know 2017 and before was agency model. So, it's one off purchases for yeah. our our platform and so you know when you start 2018 the problem with that is uh every time you've got to either resell or get a new business right and so you know it was just the two of us for quite a while we had one more person join us in 2017 and so i was doing all the design all the building she was doing all the sales it's like hey you get customers and i'll make sure this product works and it was a really good partnership um, but but we knew that SaaS was where we wanted to go and there's just a lot of challenges and how do you deliver that what's that model that makes sense? Because video is something people are used to paying for one off. I go and hire a videographer. I don't usually do a monthly video service. So what does that look like?
0: So can you can you extract that for us? Like what is? How did you guys navigate that sort of that shift uh, into creating a
1: SaaS solution? Totally. So part of it was on the product side. So for me, the challenge was okay. How do I take something that. Uh, I use and I customize every time somebody buys it and turn this into something that can be fully self-serve because there's a lot of challenges within it. There's, um, I would say, three parts to what we do. One is the, the technology behind it, capturing the videos and and putting them together and and all that. The second part is the user experience, so making it really, really easy and actually having our history and our our, our first version of Storytap B2C really helped us because we were building this so that your grandma could use it. It was so easy that your grandma could go and record her video. And that helped us because when we launched this, we knew that. When brands went and asked their customer, "Hey, would you do a video?" it needed to be easy because if it wasn't easy, the, their customers wouldn't record. And then the third part was, how do you ask and prompt users to talk about their story in such a way that it's compelling? They don't ramble, um, and that is kind of, you know, part of the user experience as well. And and how how do you, in a product, guide people? Through- Through that, when you're not walking them through it, so how do you take something that a human normally does, walking somebody through this experience, and replace it with uh, technology?
0: Awesome. So it sounds like it sounds like the all the time that you spent prior to Techstars was crucial in in helping you build out the solution. Like you, you could not have done it without that time.
1: Totally. Yeah. So, you know, part of it was from me, uh, my background, I I did engineering and then promptly forgot it all and got into business. And most of of my background was uh, in product management but with some startups here in Vancouver, which has been awesome. Uh, But going out on my own, I really I taught myself to code. And so, you know, I joined uh, Storytap, which a long time ago I was helping more on the UX side. And then I just took it on it was It was JavaScript. I had to learn that, but it was a, a fun experience and so it allowed me to run really quickly, getting feedback and then uh, you know iterating our product at a rapid pace
0: yeah, yeah, so I guess before we jump into like post uh what you, you, you made a comment about uh, it being particularly difficult to raise capital in Vancouver. I guess behind that, what has it been like to create an organization in a place like Vancouver? I'm not a fan from Vancouver, I'm from Southern California, and I live in New York City now, and there are different things that sort of help you in these ecosystems. What has Vancouver been like?
1: Yeah, so, you know, in terms of the startup culture, it's, it's really good here. We've got lots of incubators and support programs. In Canada, we have some amazing um, grants and opportunities that help Fund businesses and help fund innovation, so that's really great. Uh, I think the biggest challenge is really on the fundraising side. Um, just the amount of capital that's floating around uh, Silicon Valley, New York, even uh, other places like Seattle, and that they're probably easier than than here. That doesn't mean that there isn't funding, but um, it can be a challenge. And so, what you see coming from here and, and places that aren't, you know, those those two big hotbeds, is a lot more bootstrapped companies, and often bootstrap companies are B2B because you get one business to pay you quite a lot of money whereas bootstrapping a B2C business is a lot trickier to do. That's right. That's right.
0: So what drove the motivation to to join and to go into Techstars?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think we actually met... Uh, our managing director, or the the director for our program here in Vancouver. They were here for um, Vancouver Startup Week. And, uh, you know, just a great guy, you know, encouraged us to, to pitch StoryTap. We did it. We got in and we weren't sure what we would expect going in. You know, there's just lots of these programs floating around. We've seen some locally, but it was top notch. Uh, it was three months of really intense, um, pushing you forward, uh, amazing mentors. Uh, they really challenge you uh, in many, many ways and they, their values are awesome. It's do more faster and, um, give first. And so I love those. And I think, uh, you can see it reflected in the way they run. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I guess, so now like focusing back on, on Storytap, how, how has, I guess your grasp of, you know, like when you talked about in the beginning you you create a solution for, for customers, B 2 C. Then you move to um, the your 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 agency year, um, and then from the agency year into this sort of product SaaS uh, space. What is what's been the biggest sort of lesson learned in that entire process? Like could you yeah, I guess what's what's been the biggest lesson? Like how how is that informing the story tap as you as you go forward as well?
1: Yeah, I would say, so, so my lens on everything is always on the product side, right? And as a product person, especially as a tech person, I, I, you know, I do both the product and the tech. Um, it's really easy to get caught up in the the building. And rather than getting out of the building and talking to people, it's easy to just build. Um, so, you know, really figuring out that product market fit is key. That That was probably our biggest challenge is really trying to figure out, Um, what, like, how do you get there faster? And one of the things we did learn at Techstars and we've been putting in place is um, really increasing your cadence of learning. So you know nothing when you start, how do you learn more faster? How can you learn at the, the most rapid pace possible? I think that's probably been the key thing. So if we're not sure about pricing, how can we learn what we need to learn about pricing you know, this week, what are the things we can do so that we can keep moving forward and, and hit that next barrier that's, that's holding us back. That's awesome. So let's say, let's
0: say pricing, for example, like how have you guys come to your pricing decisions?
1: (laughs) That's probably one of the hardest ones. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and, it, and it's one of those voodoo ones, right? Like, you, don't, you just don't there's no magic formula for it. Uh, we did lots of experimentation. Um, when we were going through Techstars, we had a lot of mentors speaking into it. Some, like, diametrically opposed opinions uh, based on really good, you know, experiences. But our uh, mostly just experimenting with things, seeing what stuck, um, and also kind of what works for us. We could easily go on a much much lower price than we are we we wouldn't be able to offer the support that we do so right. we find that the, and especially in terms of needs like uh, a really small business doesn't usually need the number of videos that a large one does we we do with a business like Canadian Tire they're like a like a Home Depot in the states and they uh, get hundreds and hundreds of videos every month um, large businesses need that sort of volume of video and that's where we really shine
0: so, when you talk about experimenting on the pricing, what what does that look like? Are, like? How do you how do you set up experiments on the pricing side?
1: Yeah, so you know, part of that was landing pages uh, and just different links. Like we had a pricing link with some some different variables that you can send send out, and, and it looks different to different people. So you're kind of seeing like what sticks. Yeah. The other is really um, because we're doing. Uh, sales, you know, either via via phone or in person, you can kind of see like, you know, we pitched this pricing. Did that stick with them? Is this something that they're willing to pay for?
0: Got it. Got it. Got it. So in, in that sort of getting participants in this test, what, what does that process look like? Like, how do, how do you go about filling the top of your guys' funnel to then uh, flush through your product and determine what's working and what isn't?
1: totally so the, the one of the benefits with b2b is that you don't need massive scale right you don't need massive scale at the beginning and so we were all outbound uh Bernadette my co-founder her background is in marketing and so she taught herself sales we've been going with this predictable revenue model we've been really trying to prove that out now that the team's growing
0: right.
1: um, but really just you just outbound targeting those businesses that that seem to be a fit that we have connections to. We you know we've, we're growing our network now, reaching out through that. Um, we've got some new channels we're turning on now that we're excited about, but that's only after we've kind of proven it with specific businesses. So we know certain nonprofits find lots of value in it. We know uh, e-commerce companies, so then we can go and target ones of similar size, similar value, similar um, people at those organizations. Cause dealing with B2B as well, it's not one person. You don't just call up the CEO. You need to figure out like, who is the person here who controls a budget who's going to um, get us in who who's motivated and and has the a real problem that we're solving
0: yeah yeah i mean i've, I've done a couple of sales on that side and and that's always a challenge it's always a challenge especially <laughs> it the the difficulty factor goes up a notch when you're also maturing and evolving the product and then you're also maturing and evolving the price so it's sort of it's sort of like three <laughs> yeah. three areas of difficulty there
1: Totally. And one of the, the things, so I've worked with uh, software companies that have done B2B in the past. And one of the things I, first of all, I always said I was never gonna do B2B again, but you know, <laughs> these things happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the second thing is, uh, I said I would never have custom code. And I think, you know, from a technical standpoint and a product uh, complexity standpoint, uh, that's been a huge uh, win for us. If any customer has wanted something new, Uh, that is either something that we add in for everybody uh, or it's something that, you know, if it's, if it's, they pay extra for or whatever it is it's the way we price it is it's kind of an aside it's something that's added as a an option at least for other customers and so that might not be visible but it's something that's there in the system it's one code base that we can manage um and so really it's one product one platform that can be used in a ton of different ways
0: so what what was the what was the motivation around that like why did you say you never wanted to have custom code and then ended up offering <laughs> custom code
1: well, so so i wouldn't say it's custom code there is no custom code oh excuse that's me that's one thing i stuck to Yeah, um, I, I think uh because i have seen just how difficult it is you know you have 10 code bases and you have one bug you got to fix it 10 times
0: right right but it, it, it kills scalability and then the predictability you try to go for it.
1: it really does it's just something you know as a sas business you want to sell a product you're selling a product and that product might have lots of different toggles and switches and things that can be turned on or off but it's still one product this
0: episode is brought to you by breather breather is a network of hundreds of workspaces serving as a complement to the typical office ideal for individual work meeting with clients or company offsites breather offers beautifully designed private office spaces on demand for more information visit www.breather.com So you touched on this a little bit before, but can, can you explain to us what, what is the as your role, CPOs, Chief Product Officer, like what does that entail, and, and how does that contrast with uh, with Bernadette and the rest of the team?
1: Totally. So my, it's a, I call myself either CTO or CPO depending on who I'm talking to. Right. Um, but essentially designing and building out our product. Um, and also customer support. So one of the best things that I can do is get customer support. We have intercom, live customer support goes to my phone. It's the best thing because um, the the things that become issues that are issues again and again, I deal with right away because otherwise I'm trying to help people through them. And so when you lose that connection to your customer, and to your end user, uh, it's really easy to ignore the things that are important and build things that aren't. And so, you know, that's why startups do that so well because the people who are talking to the customer are often the people who are building it and, and that connection is invaluable.
0: Got it. So, how does that? I guess how has that role evolved over the last uh, three years? You talked about how you picked up JavaScript, and um, you, you've you've had to. We've we touched on your navigation from B to C to now to now sas business. And so, how has that vantage point evolved, especially in contrast to the rest of the team?
1: Yeah. So, I would say from a like purely from the 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 product building at the product standpoint. The best thing about this role and the thing that I love is that every day I learn something new. It's like, oh, we need to build an API. Let's figure it out. You know, I don't know how I'm going to reach out to my network, I'm going to figure this out. And it's been amazing. Um, and, and and I love learning like that. I know uh, it takes certain types and those are the startup types and, and I love that. Um, the other thing is the challenge. You know, so the the rest of the team really is all on sales. We've got three people who are full time sales, and then Bernadette, who, you know, besides leading the company, is also marketing and sales. So we we are really heavy on the sales side, and so I'm, My goal is to make sure they're fully supported with an amazing product that they can sell um, and continue to to expand into other markets. Nice. The other challenge, I would say. Oh, sorry. Is there? No. Go ahead. Yeah. The other thing I would say is the challenge of working in the business versus on the business. And I would say, you know, that's where I'm at this interesting point now. When you're coding, when you're doing development, when you're building, it's really easy to have that hat on and just be like, I just want to build, go away, I'm going to build something cool. and. Uh, remembering that you're ultimately building for a purpose, for a user, and always remembering to get out and talking to that user and talking to sales and seeing like what are the challenges you're seeing, what are the things you're seeing so that you you, you know get back out at looking at, at on the business. Where's this business going? Where's um what what do we need to think about strategically in vision in, in a vision standpoint rather than just the product. So Doing that switch can be tricky, and that's one of the things I'm navigating now is, you know, how much time do you spend thinking about that vision and the strategy versus the actual building of the product? Yeah,
0: I mean, how, how, how do you now prioritize what you're going to build within the product?
1: Yeah, so, you know, we base it... Because there's lots of different ways, and this is one of the other challenges, we're a platform, and it can be used in so many ways, you know, we started off with family, getting your grandma's story on film, now it's uh, video reviews are really the, the area that we're seeing the most uh, traction, these are businesses who need product reviews or testimonials, um, but there's also other use cases like I talked about with UCLA doing health stories, and um, and and all these niches can have different needs. So we're really saying, this is where we're focusing. We're focusing on the video reviews. And so all the features are gonna be around that sort of thing. How do we make the clients who are doing this, um, that make their lives easier? And so from a prioritization standpoint, there's a balance between, you know, what are those those things you just have to do because, things are breaking or scale or, or that sort of thing. And then stri- strategically, like what are those things that we need to add that are going to keep us ahead of the curve, you know, a year or two down the line?
0: Yeah. so is that, is that a, is that sort of a, a team meeting you guys have on a regular basis or are you guys tracking that on a quarterly basis? Like how do you guys set up that roadmap to be optimized over time?
1: So I, you know, we we sit down as a team every week. And I get feedback from from the, the people on the ground, that's the sales, you know, uh, and, and really hearing okay what what is the feedback you're getting, who are you getting that from. We have an uh, internal site that we use, we use Asana to track everything, people can put all their feedback there and it's awesome. So I'm getting this feedback in real time, um, I'm also getting all the feedback from users through our intercom system so, you know, we're kind of m- merging those two together and then also looking at strategically where do we want to go and kind of amalgamating those. So there's there's I would say two parts to that. One is the the macro. So like the big picture, where we want to go, what are those big pieces that we need to tackle? And then as we get feedback on a day-to-day basis, um, adjusting that in real time. Because what we don't want to say is, hey, well, we've written this roadmap down and that's where we're going. You know, as a startup, your benefit, over big business is you're agile. And so you need to use that to your advantage. And if adding a new feature next week is gonna keep this customer happy or get them engaged, I'll give you an example. We had a customer come to us, they're using a product, they love it. One of the challenges was our email tool. We, we send out emails to remind people to finish their story. It really increases conversion. The challenge is, uh, you can't, you couldn't customize them about two weeks ago, you couldn't customize these emails and this, this business really cared about customizing them for their brand and it made sense. So, you know, we bumped things a bit threw that feature in pushed it out last week now they're upgrading because they're so happy. So that's one of those things where you want to be able to be as nimble as possible.
0: So what do you think are some of the things that, that might get in the way of your
1: ability to be nimble going forward? So as you scale, the the biggest challenge is you've got more people. So communication, making sure that the people who are, are making those decisions are still sharing that, that information sharing is so vital. Um, and making sure that people feel like they're able to, to have their opinions and their, their, the challenges heard. So for sales, that's so important. They need to feel like, hey, I've got a direct line of communication to product, So I can tell them, like, this is what I'm hearing. Um, what I don't want is them to be building these features that are not helping me. I, I want my goal as a salesperson is to sell more. And so if there's things that are hindering that, I need to be able to, to, to share that openly with the team.
0: Got it, got it. What would you say is, is Storytap's sort of uh, secret sauce, or like, what's the what's the rocket science behind uh, behind what you guys are doing?
1: Yeah. So I think you know from from part of it is the team really, you know, we we started is a really interesting combo. So Bernadette's got this marketing background and, and I've got the tech and product. And so it's a really cool combo where it's like, you go do what you do best. I do what I do best. We've got this shared vision. Let's just go at it. Um, and, and that's tenacity. I think, you know, when you start a startup, you often, don't realize how long it's going to be right you got to be ready for the long haul and you need something a why that's going to get you through like why am i getting up every day to do this why am i you know making just enough to survive why am i doing this and so that's been the thing that's kept us going that's allowed us to iterate again and again and get to the point where we're feeling really really stoked on where we're at so um what is, um, that, why?
0: What is that
1: why so for us um the, the big, big why in, in Storytap, it's it really was interesting because our first why was helping families. And we were both so stoked on that. And so when we switched to business to business, um, it was a challenge. We needed to figure out what's this new why that's going to keep us going. And and so part of it was nonprofits. We've worked with some amazing nonprofits, and the stories you get will bring you to tears. And it's just it's, it's amazing, you know, enabling them to get stories. But the other part that we see and something that I'm excited about is bringing truth. Um, and bringing honesty to to marketing and using uh our tool like the cool thing is video you when you see somebody talking about you know a pot that they're reviewing or whatever it might be it, it's a real person talking about the real experience uh you know i needed to buy a frying pan last weekend and i There's so much information out there, there's reviews on different sites and you don't know like this written review, is this real or not? Is this person been paid or not? Is this influencer, you know, being comped or not? And so what we're trying to do is help um, brands capture these stories of the real people who've used their products or their service and, and share that in an authentic way. And so that makes me excited because, you know, we, we don't like these paid reviews. We don't know, like, is this hotel being uh, being paying for these five-star reviews or paying for the one stars for their competitors, right?
0: It's interesting. That's interesting. So like, what, what do you think is, is like, what, what's, what's a, what's an impediment to like the growth of StoryTap or even new customers coming on?
1: yeah I think you know one is just awareness for us um, as we're growing we've been all outbound and that's been great to get started to really prove it out and so now it's testing out channels that allow us to grow faster we have a few that we're we're working on um, one is you know social ads that we've're starting to see turn on there's some partnerships that we're we're turning on that are starting to, to come to fruition so really it's like how do you like you said at the very beginning, like we've got this funnel. We know what the funnel is. How do we get more in the top now? Now that we know that when you put somebody in the top, the right person in the top, they come through, they get value from it, they love it, and they use it. How do we get more of those people?
0: Yeah. Well, what do you think? What do you think is a primary driver for folks who end up using StoryTap?
1: Yeah, so we we know it's marketers. We know it's marketers who need good content. Um, you know, we're recently working with a company called Flytographer. They're like Airbnb for photographers. You need a photographer for a, a trip you're going on. You want family photos. They do that, and um, you know the thing that they loved about Storytap is they can get reviews from their customers who are all over the world and use those reviews to drive awareness. Um, and and they're so authentic because it's people talking about their experiences in ways that they would never have even talked about their own brand because these are people who are using it and the the thing that they got from it is unique
0: Got it, got it, got it That's cool man, so I I guess I want to switch gears a little bit Um, What what would you say is like the biggest mistake that you've made or maybe Storytap has made to date
1: Mm.
0: (laughs) Provided you're comfortable speaking to it
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah um, that's a, that's a really good question. I think one of the biggest challenges is hindsight's 2020, right? So you look back and you're like, why didn't we go here quicker? Why didn't we learn that sooner? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the biggest challenges for us is because we are a platform that can be used in so many ways, it's been challenging for us to pick a niche, uh, because by picking a niche, you're saying no to a lot of things and that's important to the startup. Um, and, and we're doing that, but I think it took some time to get to the point where we're like, yeah, we, we've got to pick this. we like this is where we're gonna own um, even though we're saying no to some things that that we've done in the past.
0: So what goes into picking the niche a particular niche over another?
1: So one would be opportunity? really which which of these is gonna has the biggest pain like which of these niches um has the the biggest pain, which of these is the least saturated as well? You know, um, there's, you know, some some people have used Storytap in the past for gathering uh, data, you know, getting, getting feedback. But there are other platforms out there that do that. Um, getting video reviews at scale is not something that is easy to find a solution for. Often people are doing things like still asking for it manually or sending out a videographer. So what we're trying to do is say, like, this is the niche that we believe we are adding the most value and that customers are just saying like this is borderline magic we can't do what we're doing without this
0: right and you, you go about si- sizing that market using uh, like off the shelf tools or is that a conversation is that based upon you carrying out outbound and having conversations with folks in the market
1: Yes, I would say it's, it's probably more of that. But of course, we are looking at, you know, what is the size of this market? What is the size of, you know, the e commerce market? What is the size of the, the reviews, uh, tools, that, that sort of thing. So it's, it's a little bit of a combination of both. Um, but really, what we want to see is, and, and with product market fit is what you, what you want to see is somebody saying like, I need this now. Like I can't do my business without this tool that you've built, got and it. finding more people like that. So, so n- once we were onto that, once we got those customers who were like saying that to us, we knew this is what we're on.
0: Got it. Got it. So I guess now, as you look into the future, like what is what is something that you're most excited about, and or uh, a, a big hurdle that you you know you're gonna have to overcome.
1: Yeah i think i'm excited just to see the ways that brands use our tool uh it's it's really really cool being a a maker and having people use your product from all over i get you know you get to see people from all over the country all over uh us all over canada using storytap and beyond now and it's really really cool to see so i'm excited to see how that grows how businesses use it um and, and how that can be used not just um, for the reviews but like I said even even so on so fundraising with nonprofits and that kind of thing like really excited to see how it's used um, I think the challenge is we will have uh, the the standard business ones or how do you grow a team how do you grow a team well um, while you maintain your culture and and still keep your ability to innovate quickly you know that's that's what keeps our business ahead that's how we can stay ahead and and service our clients needs how do we continue to do that as we grow so that's kind of a common challenge but i think that's going to be our biggest one coming up
0: yeah 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 yeah. so before we jump over to sort of like the last last phase with with, uh, quick fire questions um on the the product side how do you what what are some of the things you've done to make Storytap um or even products in the past uh engaging and sort of appealing to to people using it like what what is what's worked over others what like what's what what feature has performed better over others what sort of interfaces worked better than others like what is what's your thought on that
1: yeah so user experience is all about knowing your goal and honing everything in that experience to to funnel towards that goal so there's two parts to story tap one is the end user experience. That's what we nailed first. That's the experience that the end user has on their phone or their tablet or their desktop going through answering these questions, recording their video and sharing it with the brand. And so we really obsessed about taking out anything super, superfluous, like anything that distracts them and and really seeing like, how do we get people through quickest? And so our goal is actually, I would say, non stickiness in that sense. We want people to finish their video and go on with their lives so that the brand can get the video and the user is happy that they finished that. You know, it's kind of like a survey. I don't want to spend much time doing the survey. I want to get in, finish it, get out. And so how do we make that easy? So on the on the end user side, it's really been distilling it to the, the most essential and really making it easy. Um, one of the challenges as a techie person, you know, I'm on on the internet way too much. I, I look at, I sign up to m- way too many sites. Um, you get used to things being built in a certain way, and you forget that most of the world doesn't know that this icon means something, that it means back, that these three lines mean menu. So how do you help people who aren't technically savvy um, use an interface, but also still um, be usable by people who are? How do you make that work across devices into different screen sizes? So that, that would be like the making it simple. The second part that I would say that, that really we've learned a lot about is the default copy. So when you're helping somebody build something, in this case, we have clients that come into StoryTap and they create a story guide. And so story guide is really a link you're going to send to your customers that has a, some questions you're going to ask. And you can customize all the copy and you can, you can make a lot of different changes. Um, but everything that you go through already has default text in it. And so the default text matters a lot because a lot of people aren't going to change it. And so if you have bad default text or no default text, you're making the person think a lot more or they're not gonna get the value out of the product. Whereas we, that there's just little tweaks to what, what we say to how we write things in the default text that really guides people in how they're to use the product and get the most out of it.
0: That's interesting. I, I never, I don't, I don't think I would have ever thought of default text and the, the impact it has. Um, the way, the way it works is uh, the way in which you access sort of like a guidepost.
1: Is, I sort of take that for granted. Uh, so let me give you one example, if you, if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so one of the things that we find is people will do a video for you. Often people care about your brand. They'll do a video for you um, and they can share this video onto their social network. Uh, but but in order to get the best return, the best you know conversion rate, you're ideally gonna offer some sort of incentive. So that could be, you know, by sending in your video, you're gonna get entered into this draw for some credits or or whatever it might be, an Amazon gift card. We, we told our clients this over and over, and often we would hear, you know, our clients just love us so much, we're not gonna have to incentivize. And we, we know that's wrong. We know that you need to incentivize to get the best response. And so what we've done is in the default text, it actually says, by doing this, you're gonna be entered in this draw. And so the customer actually needs to take that default text out if they're not gonna have that. And it makes them think, oh, like that's the default. That's what what most people are doing. And so it really helps push a certain behavior. So rather than us having to tell them over and over, it's like, oh no, that's just default. That's what people do.
0: This episode is provided to you by Clara Labs. Clara Labs is making it easier for you to focus on the things that matter by providing a 24-7 virtual assistant to handle all of your scheduling needs. Here's how it works. All you have to do is CC Clara in your email thread, and Clara will take it from there. Clara is responsive, reliable, and simple to use. For more information, visit www.claralabs.com. You, t- you touched a little bit on, I w- want to switch gears again, Like you, you touched a little bit on your relationship between yourself and the rest of the team. What has been what's been like the biggest lesson on that side in terms of co-founder relations, and then also uh, the sort of shifting of roles as the product is evolving, and as you're getting feedback from customers.
1: Mm. So, you know, really high level, your co-founder, whoever you choose, is so so important. Um, Bernadette, my co-founder, she had started this; she'd already for for a bit. I'll choose- as as a contractor to, to help out. And we we realized that there was some really good synergies. And so we we started working together. And that's been awesome. It's been challenging. I think you know you need you need opportunities to have frank conversations. We're having a good sit-down tomorrow. We've set aside half the day just to to map out the future Um, and you need to do that quite regularly we're both parents you know she's got two children I've got two children and so we that's good because we both understand each other's challenges and we support each other in that but you need that you need somebody who's fighting with you um, because the startup journey is a long one it's a hard one and there's gonna be times where you're low and you need somebody else to pick you up and you're gonna you're gonna have the vice versa as well so that open Communication. We we try and talk almost every day, even if we don't see each other. Um, we we do a lot of remote work, but that's been super super important. So I say, from a co-founder, be careful when you choose. Choose the right person. Try it out if you can. Um, and remember, you're in it for the long run, and you're fighting the same battle together. Yeah. In in terms of the the team, um, and, and especially as this the person you know getting that feedback, I think the team needs to feel like their voice is heard. And so really giving opportunity for that. One of the challenges you can have as a builder, you've built something that's your baby. And then somebody says, oh, that doesn't really work well. The first instinct you have is you just don't know how to use it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I've got to constantly fight that. And, and you know, as you build you, and you have a team, you need to, to teach them like that, that's not an attack on you. That's awesome. We're getting feedback on how we can make this better because your assumption on how things work or, usually going to be wrong and you need to iterate. That's why like, startups move fast because they iterate quickly. Um, and iteration is what keeps you ahead. But as soon as you say, no, this is the way it's done. This is the way we're doing it. We're not changing it. I like it this way. You, you, you get stuck. And so you need to be able to to adapt. Um, no hard feelings when somebody attacks it and says, this doesn't work. This is broken. We don't like that. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I get it. And, and try and see it from their perspective too. Yeah.
0: you you, you touched on you touched on having family what is what's that been like like what's what's the, the I guess the lesson learned in the process of balancing a full family you said you had two kids that's like it's a full yeah.
1: yeah. So I actually, so I had a startup that I ran for two years before this and I started it two months after my son, my first son was born. So that was, you know, talk about timing. I'm not sure if yeah. it's the, the best idea, but it's awesome in the sense that one, it keeps you focused, right? Like I know that the hours that I dedicate to my business um, are time I'm not spending with my family and so they've got to be good hours. I can't just waste time. I need to make sure that every hour I put in is going to move the business forward. I need to provide for my family, so that that's one of Steve Jobs' quotes: "Stay hungry, stay foolish." And and that "stay hungry" part is key. That's why startups they're tenacious because they need to be. They have that that fire under their butts. Uh, so that's part of it. Um, I I think from from a standpoint for for both my co-founder Bernadette and I. We also think, you know, I want to build something that's going to make a difference here. So that, that really helps you think in that sense. You want to work on something that makes a difference that that's going to make the, the world our children grow up in a better place.
0: So how do you, how have you found yourself, uh, get motivated, how do you motivate yourself when things aren't going so well or things are particularly mm-hmm. tough or time is
1: tight? Yeah. So in terms of, you know, when things aren't going well, I think you need to be surrounded by good people. Uh, having a, a su- supportive network is key. So for us, you know, like I got amazing wife, friends, networks like TechStars, other entrepreneurs who have been through it. That's that's really key. You know, I spend time with young entrepreneurs. Mentoring them when I can, and that's awesome because I remember being there and making many mistakes and not having that. And you need that. You need a, a team to support you, just like they say. It takes a village to raise a child. It, it takes. It does the, the same for for a business.
0: Yeah. So I guess what's what's been some of the what's been one of the toughest times for you um, building Storytap or any of the other businesses you've had in the past.
1: Yeah, I think. One of them was when I had to shut my first startup down. You know, you feel like it was a failure; it didn't work. And uh, I wrote an interesting article. It was kind of a cathartic exercise, and it, you know, it it was a failure, but it wasn't because there's just too much good that came from it. I learned too much. I met too many people, um, and so. It's hard because in the startup world we celebrate success. We love to celebrate the big successes. You know, I think one of your other guests talked about you know don't read, not don't read, but Tech TechCrunch. It's like that's like the the Instagram of, yeah. of uh, startups, right? <laughs> and it's true because. Um, we we see these and we're like, oh, that person's successful, but it's this survivorship bias. You're seeing all the people who are successful. You're not seeing the people who are in the trenches and you're not necessarily even hearing the true story. So um, doing it is hard. Uh, So much of success is based on timing and, you know, it's being, being rightly equipped at the right time. And, and that's something you can't control. So you can have amazing team, you can have amazing technology, you can have a great product. Um, But, but, being at the right place at the right time, uh, is, is a huge part of that too.
0: Yeah. So I I guess with that first startup that you closed down, what, what was, what did you do to bounce back or to get back into a really solid uh, headspace?
1: Hmm. Yeah. So, you know, there's like, from a personal standpoint, I've got my faith, I'm a Christian, so that's a huge thing. Um, So trying not to find my identity in my business, and I think that's for everybody because it can be so easy. It's like, that business was Sean, and when that business failed, Sean failed. And trying not to have that mindset, um, and then getting back out and just connecting with others doing, you know, I, I, did some consulting, like I said, that's how I got started with Storytap in the first place is, is working with other entrepreneurs and saying like, what are those skills I've learned now? How can I uh, apply them and just keep moving forward? I think one of the, the things that keeps me going, I'm a, I'm a future thinker. I, I think and live in the future, which can be a bad thing, but it also keeps me going. I don't dwell on it. it's okay, that happened. Let's run forward. Let's, let's keep going.
0: Yeah, it's a, that's awesome. I, I like the piece about trying not to, try not to, uh, not allowing your identity to be so tightly attached to the business. Um, mm. That's a, that's a really, really awesome, awesome piece of advice because it is for some folks. It, it's something you're spending all your time doing. Um, and you're waking up and going to sleep thinking about it but it sounds like you have some really solid reminders that you are more than that like your your, your children and then also your faith and everything else so that's that's particularly awesome what, what would you say is something you tell like the youngest version not the youngest version but like high school college graduate version of yourself all the knowledge you have now what would you tell him uh, to do differently or to do faster
1: hmm yeah I think the advice I've given others as well who've said, like, I want to do a startup is learn as much as you can where you're at now. Um, you know, taking advantage of if you're at a business and they, they give um, money to go to conferences, to, to take courses, like do those things. Because when you've got a startup, you're burning your own cash or potentially an investor's cash learning. And the more you can do to be prepared for that, the better you need to be. Uh, you know, there's, there's probably one area of expertise. I would say for me, it's on that, the product side, but you need to know a lot of things. You, gotta, you need to be able to look at, um, you know, income statements and review contracts and, and all those sorts of things. And the more you can learn that on somebody else's dime or before you're pressured to, to make a business successful, the better.
0: Got it. That's awesome, man. Uh, so, what I want to do now is, is jump over to some quickfire questions before we wrap up. You ready? totally awesome so first question biggie or tupac
1: uh, biggie he was the one who introduced me to opulent rap music videos <laughs>
0: there you go. that's probably gonna be the name of this podcast opulent rap music videos okay. uh, so <laughs> what, what what was a uh, what what's what's a book or a number of books that have been the most impactful to you personally or professionally
1: yeah so you know as a christian i've got to say the bible um as a A person who um, likes to read a lot, uh, you know, Mark Twain, anything by Mark Twain, Mm. uh, enjoy reading for fun. Um, From a work standpoint, one that's really made uh, an impact was Deep Work by Cal Newport. Just, you know, the importance of being able to do deep work. Um, And then from, like, a totally different standpoint, I recently read a book called Family Properties, and I think it talks just about... um, the you know systematic um, racism, and and it, it makes you angry, but it, it wants to drive you to do something. And so I think books that that showcase uh, history and make us learn and make us want to to make an impact are important.
0: Nice one. Well, I guess we didn't touch on this before, but what was the what, what's been like the why the social... I got the sense, I'm getting the sense that there's like a social mandate to either yourself or StoryTap. Is, is that right? To me, for sure. Yes. So where, where does that come from?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, that would be the, the first and foremost, my faith. Like I believe that every person has innate value and um, inequality is growing. Um, you know, income inequality is probably one of the biggest issues that, that we're facing right. um, and things like automation are not doing things to help that. And I think as technologists, uh, we need to be aware that the technology we create, the things we build uh, aren't innate. They're not neutral. They, they have an impact. And so we need to be aware of what that impact is and mitigate that where possible. Because though we might be doing things that make life easier, um. Not not always helping everyone. And so being aware of those, being aware of the history and how we can we can make a difference.
0: Cool, 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 cool. All right, so jumping to the next question. Um, what is a uh, a tool or set of tools that have been the most helpful to you in getting ideas out, building things, etc?
1: Pen and paper is the best for getting ideas out of my head <laughs> <laughs> because it, it never phrases. Um, and I love Asana. I got to give a shout out to Asana. I use that for for tracking everything. Nice, so, nice. Good stuff. Yeah.
0: All right. So uh, you're given a hundred dollars. You have two weeks to turn this hundred dollars into two thousand dollars. You can't sell any stocks. You can't sell your place. Uh, what do you do?
1: That's a really good one. Uh, I'd probably buy a bunch of art supplies get my child to draw some amazing pictures and then sell it you know original art by a child <laughs> there you go <laughs> <laughs> i
0: can see the instagram page and
1: <laughs> yeah you can pull heartstrings that way really easily yeah <laughs> there
0: you go all right so last question you're allowed one meal for the rest of your life every single day breakfast lunch and dinner this one meal what is that meal don't hold back on the
1: details. I but like steak. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that. Uh, and it's not even something I eat often, but I feel like uh, yeah.
0: Like so it No, to be, it,
1: it, it rare? Have to be <laughs> Medium, medium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
0: so it's a steak just so what i've been visiting for you is a plate of steak and that's it no sides (laughs) no drink no no
1: you know what to be honest if it was it would probably be like a really good smoothie if i had to eat something or consume something it would have to be like a good healthy smoothie because you can drink it fast and it gives you all the things you need
0: yeah got it, man. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. It's been a good good time catching up with you. and I learned a lot in the process. Uh, before I let you go, is there anything that, that we should know that we don't know
1: about you? Uh, that's, a, that's a hard one. I think um, I have a surprising uh,
0: knowledge of hip-hop nice <laughs> <laughs> Like you should be like on a like hip-hop jeopardy or something is that is that what you're you throw your, your candidacy yeah. in the
1: for that uh, something like that like maybe obscure like british grime or something
0: like that yeah i do it interesting so do you know who like Black Alicious is or like who uh, yeah interesting i wonder how how, yeah. how deep we can go here Let, let's see real quick we have a couple minutes so let's see um You're in Vancouver. Are you from Vancouver?
1: I am. Born and raised.
0: Who's a prominent... I don't know any Vancouver rappers on the underground or or otherwise.
1: You know, I don't actually follow much. My biggest... So this is, again, like obscure facts about me, would be um, British grind. So like Wiley or Kano... Or, uh um, guys like that you yeah. know lethal pizzle um i think he was on uh, the five fingers of death and he just killed it so that was pretty amazing is
0: is is uh do you know octavian and um what's another guy i am I'm, I'm i'm still getting myself educated on british grime like is it's is that something that's still taking place today like would you call the music that's coming out of britain grime or is it's st- is it Does it vary?
1: There still is. Um, You know, there's a few guys who've kind of made it a little bit bigger. But, um, you know, I I discovered it back in the the MySpace days. Got it. You know, got it, got it, got it, got it so it's like streets right the streets uh oh yeah the, the, the streets yeah they weren't really grind but they, they they're <laughs> good they're good i, I like them but they, they wouldn't be grind. got it uh, got it got it I'll send some links after how yeah. about that
0: yeah please do please do i'm trying to try to up my my knowledge as well on that side awesome awesome well thank you so much again but i really appreciate it
1: yeah thank you for the time this has been great
0: great so so uh our team is going to sit with this for like the next couple of days probably get a really rough version out to you the next week to two weeks nothing goes up that you're not happy with so if anything you want to edit or if you want to hold off on it being released just let us know no love lost either way cool?
1: yeah no this has been really fun thank you for uh, reaching
0: out no, anytime man anytime alright I'm going to let you go have a great day great week great forever I'll check out those links when you send them
1: yeah I will do that awesome, talk soon man. see ya okay bye bye i <laughs>